Welcome to OVS Orbit, the podcast for Open vSwitch users and developers. This is episode number 66. This episode is an interview with Simon Horman, who has been contributing to Open vSwitch since 2010. Simon currently works for Netronome, whereas OVS work centers around support for the hardware offload API integrated into the Linux kernel. On to the interview. Welcome to OVS Orbit. Today I'm talking to Simon Horman from Netronome. Simon has been contributing to Open vSwitch since 2010, including acting as a maintainer for the Debian packaging. That's a really long time. It, it's uh, as long yeah. as almost anybody in <laughs> Maybe uh, longer vSwitch. than I care to think about. <laughs> so what, what originally brought you to Open vSwitch? What's, what's your history with it? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we were just tying off a project on, uh, on Zen, actually, at the time. We were looking for something new uh, where I was working at the time. And OVS came uh, came across and looked pretty interesting to us, a good fit for our skills, and so we got involved. And you've stuck with it um, more or less uh, since then, I- including some uh, some some projects that uh, really could have driven away a, a lot of people, like uh, MPLS, for example. Yeah. Uh, you stuck <laughs> with it, and I know I was critical, but I think my criticisms l- were legitimate, and we got past them. Yeah, that was a, a, a long process to get that in, but I'm, I'm glad we did, I th- and uh, I think people are using it these days. Yeah, I mean, OVS needs MPLS support. Yeah, maybe it came up today, maybe some more, but uh, MPLS over UDP seems to be a bit hot topic. That's right, MPLS over UDP and MPLS over GRE were what they were talking about. Uh, maybe I should mention that uh, we're at the Open vSwitch conference uh, 2018 that's uh, being held in, in San Jose today, and that's why I got a chance to, uh, to catch up with you, Simon. So uh, we haven't said much really about who you are. Do you want to introduce yourself at all? Uh, so these days I'm working at Netronome, which is a manufacturer of SmartNICs, and I'm the architect of the OVS offload uh, solution at Netronome, amongst other things. So that's a, a pretty good introduction or, or lead-in to what we plan to talk about today. Uh, so I, I think we're planning to, to talk about the OVS uh, offload for uh, for Netronome, or uh, really for uh, the the offload covers all the network cards that have uh, specific offload functionality, um, and I, I guess we'll dig into the Netronome-specific parts. Maybe a good place to start would be by saying uh, what the offload API is and how it came to be and, uh, you know, what we're doing with it. Yeah, so in the community, we've come up with a pretty nice set of uh, <coughs> APIs, if you like, uh, to allow offload. It's not a hardware-specific, uh, so it's fairly well-developed, uh, the offload of the kernel data paths. And I've been involved in that. I've been a little bit less involved in the DPTK side, but that's also coming along now. And basically, the idea of these offloads is to take the data path processing uh, and move it away from the CPU into the coprocessor, which is running on the SmartNIC. And uh, I mean, the overall goal of this is to give you both better performance, but maybe even more importantly, is to reduce your CPU utilization. Uh, the typical use case would be in the cloud, where essentially what cloud providers do is sell CPU resources. So the f- less resources are going into the network, the more they can sell. This is kind of the basic philosophy behind it. So in looking at the kernel data path, uh, we have a thing called the TC offload. Um, so this exists, uh, m- utilizes the TC uh, subsystem within the Linux kernel and the flower classifier. 
And using the flower classifier, you can create uh, a data path that looks quite a lot like OBS. And using the flower classifier also has hooks to allow you to push these flows uh, from the kernel down into the hardware. So this is the, the basic mechanism. And then we've taught uh, OBS user space uh, how to do this. Uh, and it's, it opportunistically will uh, push down flows into the hardware if it can. And if it can't, uh, not all flows can be offloaded for various reasons. Um, for example, you might run out of space or a particular match might not be supported. Uh, then we just uh, push it into the kernel data path. So that was the same behavior as, as without the offload. So from the user of OVS, from their perspective, the, the offload is, is transparent. They don't have to worry about uh, whether it, uh, they, they don't have to do something different based on whether it'll be offloaded. Not really. You, you need to turn the offload on, uh, so it's turned off by default. But after that, it should just work just like before, only faster. That's uh, usually ideal for <laughs> optimizations. Yeah. So uh, what... What do you see as what distinguishes Netronome from the other uh, implementations that, that implement offload? Okay, so architecturally, the Netronome is uh, quite different to the other smart NICs. Uh, they usually fall into one of three categories. So the first category would be uh, sort of an ASICs-based approach where you've got a, a fairly fixed pipeline and maybe some flexibility in terms of being able to manipulate the matches uh, through the firmware, but it's a pipeline, uh, probably a TCAM sitting in there to allow you to, to store the rules and so on. Uh, and these things are very fast, but they tend to be not particularly flexible. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have the FPGAs, and these are highly programmable devices. You can, you can do almost anything with them. Uh, but they also tend to be kind of expensive, and they also tend to consume quite a lot of power. And sort of in between these two approaches is the approach that Netronome takes with what they call the NFP, which is the Network Flow Processor. And so this is like a, a CPU or a set of CPUs inside uh, the NIC. And they're a little bit, but not much specialized. And so essentially we, we write a firmware, which is a little bit of a, akin to a, a program running on a regular processor. And that's where we implement the data path. So we have quite a lot of flexibility, but we also have... Uh, maybe a little bit more efficiency in terms of power and, and production cost over the FPGA-based solution. But in terms of the architecture of, um, at the software level, what we're implementing and, and what uh, the other vendors are uh, implementing for the kernel offload, it's, like I said before, it's a community approach. So it's, it's the same, basically. So people can switch in between them. So... Uh I understand that with uh, the Netronome uh, NICs, you have a very large number of, uh, of fairly uh, small or uh, fairly small processors. That's right. Uh, so my numbers might be slightly out here, but uh, the smallest processing unit would have eight threads, and then we gather these together into what's called an island, and then a bunch of islands would comprise the chip. And all up, you might be having something in the vicinity of a thousand threads for one of the, the mid-range chips. So, yeah, the idea is that packet processing is highly, uh, highly parallelizable. And with the threads, these, these run to completion. So when they have to block to do something like fetch some memory or something, uh, they will yield to the, to the next thread. Uh, so in this way, we can get uh, some very nice throughput. So uh, one of the, the things that you might end up with with a API that can address offload on a 
a, a bunch of different kinds of, of NICs that mm -hmm. are different varieties, is you might end up with an API that, that doesn't let you properly address the capabilities of this this diverse range of NICs. Have you found that uh, the, the API that you came up with just doesn't let you do some of the interesting things that the people want to do in practice? I think we've had much less uh, problem in terms of uh, how it translates to, say, the hardware. As it's more to do with the translation between OVS and uh, the API that's been developed. But in, in a sense, OVS itself is the, it's like a spec, if you like, that we're, we're writing against. Um, and so some of the things like lag, which uh, was presented on earlier in the conference, th these have been quite challenging uh, in terms of um, programming these via the TC Flower interface. It looked like there was a, a pretty uh, creative solution to that particular problem. Uh, the the other thing that's uh, getting talked about a lot lately is uh, adding support for connection tracking to this offload API. And that connection tracking API or a connection tracking feature is what would allow uh, Open vSwitch to implement things like uh, firewalling. Uh, it, it's also an important component of NAT. Uh, so uh, what what's going on uh, in terms of connection tracking and the offload API, and, and where do you see that going? Yeah, so connection tracking, uh, well, it, it's an example of a state stateful um, kind of system, and where we're up to at the moment is most of the stateless parts have, have been done quite quite nicely. The stateful with a contract connection tracking, uh, there's been a design uh, <coughs> put forward, uh, and in, in, in essence, the idea is to uh, add a new uh, match to the flower classifier and also a new TC action. And to it, these will be modeled very much on the OVS match and action. And then these would be backed by the, the existing contract implementation in the Linux kernel, just very, very similar to the way what OVS is doing. Uh, so I don't think there's major design issues there. It becomes a bit more interesting when you try to offload these things. Um, so essentially you have uh, these stateful things that are changing all the time, but we want to avoid synchronizing state between the host and the hardware uh, because at that point the performance uh, becomes non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, 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 that is a major challenge, but I think to some extent... Most likely the first step will be to sort of try to bypass that problem a little bit. So one of the, the main areas where state changes a lot is with the TCP window tracking uh, portion of the code. Um, so a shortcut to avoid this complexity is, is, is simply not to implement that in the first round. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that could end up with, uh, with it, one of the things we could end up with if we go that route is that uh, connection tracking and firewalling and so on are, are, are different. Uh, the, the details of them are different yes. depending on what hardware or what software is doing it. That worries me a little, and I wonder if you have any thoughts on, on that. Yes. So I think the first thing to note is that I, I believe that this, if, if, you, if, you, if we talk about contract, people kind of assume that it's this it's a particular implementation, which is the, the one in the Linux kernel. And as you point out, if, if we have a different implementation somewhere else, it is by definition going to be different. It's going to have different behaviors for corner cases, and, and it's not contract in the sense that that word is usually used. So it has to be very clear to the user that that's the case, and it most likely has to be something they have to very clearly opt into. 
Um, I guess that makes it a little different from uh, what we talked about before, how the optimizations are more or less transparent. There, yes, there, there will be some behavioral differences. That is right. And, and I think that that has to be exposed to the user. Uh, they have to be aware of it. Okay. Well, I, I guess that's a, a, a fair way to, to look at it that, it, they, that the user needs to be aware of it and needs to be sure that, that whatever interpretation is going to be used is, is one that is, is acceptable for, uh, for whatever their application is. That's right. So, I mean, I, I guess an important point is this is, in theory, one could match the current implementation, uh, but the implementation changes all the time. Yeah, of course. I, I suppose that's that's a good point I hadn't thought about. My guess is that if you're running Linux 3-point-something versus 4-point-something, your contract is going to be slightly different in any case. I, I would say so, yes. Uh, so uh, it, it sounds like if we're adding support for connection tracking, then uh, we're starting to go beyond the things that are sort of the, the simplest, um, the, the low-hanging fruit, you might say, mm -hmm. for offload. Uh, what are some of the other things that uh, the offload implementation uh, might start working on that are uh, what you might consider more advanced features? Well, I think without going into more advanced features, there's still quite a lot of room in terms of filling in the gaps. So, for example, we have tunnel offload, but we don't support all the, all the tunnels. Uh, different vendors support different combinations, but nobody's got close to all of them. Right. But beyond that, looking at more complex things, there's, there's issues to do with stacking different combinations of features. So you might have, uh, you might, might want to c combine a lag with a tunnel in situation. Things that in software are all kind of straightforward, but th there's been a lot of work done on OVS over the, wor over the years on the data path, and to an extent, that has to sort of all be redone. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose so. Um, we're, we're seeing other sort of redos uh, when it comes to uh, DPDK and user space. Too. It's a little bit similar situation, yeah. Um, like uh, DPDK is, is starting to implement uh, IPsec features. They're just starting to talk about that. And I, I suppose that those could go into uh, hardware as well, uh, perhaps with big advantages if the hardware actually supports the crypto in a fast way. Right, we would expect so. Um, it, it's probably, well... It, it's not uncommon that a smart NIC would also have crypto offload f facilities, uh, specific regions devoted to this. So we would expect quite a, a good speed up there. Give, uh, but I do think it would depend a little bit on the workload because hardware does always tend to be limited in one way or another. So you may, if you, for example, you had a very, very high number of security associations, then a particular piece of hardware might have troubles with that. Uh, I, I suppose that's true for, for other things as well. It, it's not really a, a new issue with IPsec. Yes, I mean, just in general, um, what we see when we try to... It, it, hardware offloads all about performance, but the performance varies depending on what you're trying to do. Uh, so the, the use case you have in terms of, is it the, the size of the packets or the, the complexity of the rules you're applying to them, by which I mean the, the, the number of actions and what those actions do, or, or just the number of rules that are installed. These all influence very heavily the performance. So we can say we can get this performance for this particular workload, but is that a realistic workload that people want to do? Right. Uh, so to to what degree do people need to carefully analyze their their applications and their workloads before they 
decide to adopt a, a particular NIC? Is it, is it something where they should have a, a very good handle on exactly what they're doing? Well, I, I think so, because the different NICs uh, would have different, different limitations. So ha- everything has limitations. Uh, so, so one may, NIC may work better in one scenario while a, a different one works in a different one. And, and that's usually something that's intrinsic to the way that the, the hardware is working. So uh, I, I know that uh, the earliest work on the offload API was, was kernel-focused. Um, these days I'm hearing more and more about uh, hardware offload for DPDK. That's right. Uh, and I think that's based on something that, that may be analogous to the kernel offload API. Uh, can, you, can you talk a little bit about offload and so DPDK? I, yeah, I'm not as involved on that DPDK offload, but I, I can give a summary. At the moment in upstream OVS, we have a classification offload for DPTK. And so the way that this works is that uh, using a feature or a, a part of uh, DPTK called RTE flow, we're able to program flows into uh, the hardware. And this would do the classification by which I mean it, it looks at all the headers and it tries to do a match against the flow. And if it, if it finds a match, then it will stamp uh, the MBUF, which is going to be passed to the application with some metadata. And then the application, which in this case would be OVS, can match on the metadata. It doesn't have to do the classification, which is very expensive. And so the actions are still implement, uh, executed in the software data path, as always, but the classification is, is offloaded. But moving forwards, we're going to this work uh, to do a full flow offload. So this will be where the, not only the classification, but also the accent action execution occurs in the hardware. And this will be conceptually very similar to what we have with the kernel-based offload at this time. So the idea of classification-only offload is an intriguing one to me because uh, it it implies that uh, you might be able to get some benefit from, uh, from hardware that doesn't necessarily understand all the fields that you care about, that doesn't necessarily understand any of the actions that you care about. Uh, so it seems like it's, a, it's sort of an interesting midpoint between uh, no offload and, and full offload. Um, has, has anyone uh, thought about uh, the, the possibilities there? Well, I, I think that's exactly how it is. It's, it's, it's a midpoint, and it, <laughs> it's somewhat easier to do in a lot of ways, because for starters, you're doing less. Um, <laughs> so that's attractive for both a hardware point of view and, and an engineering effort point of view. You, oftentimes the, the use case for OVS is to, to take packets off the wire and push them to a VM or vice versa. So at some point the packet has to, to go across the bus, um, the PCI bus. And so if you have an efficient way to push the packets uh, from the hypervisor into the VM, then the fact that the hypervisor also has to do a little bit of work with the packet might just sort of all be in the wash. Uh, But the classification does tend to be quite expensive. So this partial offload, uh, it's like you say, you get a bit of a boost, um, but uh, you're you're not doing all the work in the hardware. The OVS architecture uh, divides uh, upflows into a a few categories. Um, We we often talk about the, the caching hierarchy in OVS, uh, where at at the uh, at sort of the tip of the pyramid we've got what we call the exact match cache, and, mm-hmm. and then below that we've got a, a megaflow cache, and mm-hmm. then at the bottom we've got uh, something where uh, it, it essentially misses in the caches, and it gets sent to our user space to figure out uh, how to how to populate the megaflow cache. 
uh, or, or the exact match cache. So uh, one thing that isn't necessarily clear is where in this hierarchy does uh, hardware offload sit? Um, are the um, are the flows that are offloaded are those exact match flows? In other words, are those microflows or, or half of a TCP connection? Um, or can you offload things that are more general? Can you offload things uh, that that just match on some of the fields? So you might be able to offload, for example, all the flows that are going to a particular TCP port. Uh, so so how does how does offload interact with this caching hierarchy that OVS has? Okay, so I'll, I'll talk particularly about the Kona one because. <laughs> Uh, because I know, but I, I suppose the DPTK one is kind of similar. So it, it works with the mega flows. So we, we take the mega flows um, and we push them down all the way down to the hardware. And so whatever masks are in place uh, it, it is going to work. But then, uh, of course, this depends on the implementation. But in the Netronome case, we, we build an exact match cache out of that in the hardware. Uh, and this, is, uh, this gives us a significant performance boost. Uh, and then which which is very similar to the, what's going on in software. So we populate it, and if there's a hit, we, we use the, the, the exact match entry, and if there's not, we fall back to the Megaflow table, which is in the hardware. And if there's a hit, then we process it, and we populate the exact match cache. And if there's, there's a miss, then we go all the way down to, to software, and uh, ideally it would program the flow uh, into the hardware for next time. That makes sense. So... Uh, what what's the additional cost of programming a, a flow into hardware? Presumably, it, it's more expensive than uh, programming it into a, a Megaflow cache in the kernel. Although I'd be happy to be corrected, um, my, my guess is that there's there's an additional step, and and so it it might take uh, time for that uh, sending the the flow to the hardware. It might take the hardware itself some time to sort of uh, refresh or, or update its tables. Yeah, that, that is true. I, I, I don't have any numbers off the top of my head, but it's certainly more expensive to push down to hardware than to, to push into the kernel. For starters, you have to push it into the kernel, so you've already taken that, that cost. Uh, would, it does depend on the implementation, that the, the vendor. But what we do at Netronome is we handle this asynchronously, so it, it's not a blocking operation. And uh, in this way, we're able to, to uh, sort of mask that latency in, in setting up the flow. There have been some sometimes difficult kernel politics uh, regarding uh, Open vSwitch, and I'm, I'm curious of your perspective uh, regarding the, the offload API. Has it, uh, well, first of all, how OVS specific is it? Is it viewed in the kernel, uh, by the kernel developers as a OVS thing, or is it a, a different thing that OVS just happens to use? Uh, and, and what's the experience been uh, getting, uh, getting updates to that, e- either as an OVS developer or a, a vendor a developer who's implementing the offloads? So I think when you, you start a new project, uh, sometimes setting up the the expectations or the, the right kind of relationship between the different people is difficult. And uh, you mentioned the MPLS project. That was a little bit different, difficult project. And then as soon as I finished that, I started on the hardware offload. So I did wonder if maybe I jumped out of the fry pan and into the fire. But the initial proposal that came from Netronome and maybe other people had similar proposals before I started getting involved uh, was to tie into the OVS data pass and take the mega flows at that point and push them down to the hardware. And similarly, to retrieve stacks, uh, so we, we essentially we added some hooks. We proposed some hooks. Uh, and this was, uh, well, let's just say it was roundly rejected on at least two occasions. One of the problems we faced at the time was that the whole idea of hardware offload uh, of this nature, we, we've had hardware offloads like checksums and so on forever, but 
th th this notion of, of offloading flows, the entire flow, was very new and, and really a lot of people didn't know what to make of it and didn't know what the right position to take on it was and, and caution was the order of the day. That went on for quite some time. But eventually two requirements sort of came out, which has sort of been the guiding principles ever since. And the first one is that whatever hardware features, there must be a software fallback. So that, that, that's, that's a rule. Um, so in, in the case of the OVS hooks uh, into the data path, that would have fulfilled that requirement because the software implementation was OVS. But the second requirement, which, which gets more towards what you were asking and wh the nature of your question, was it, it should be somehow generic and, and reusable. And the, the shortcoming of, of wiring it into the OVS data path was it was only useful for OVS. Uh, and this was, uh, this was less than ideal from some people's point of view. The TC flower implementation is, it's not by accident that it's very similar to OVS. It was intended to be that. It wasn't necessarily intended as a vehicle for hardware offload. But it is somehow sort of as being more generic because you can use it uh, independently of OVS. You, you, can, you can set up, uh, if you want to write some kind of very simple static ACL, you can describe it in flower. Uh, or maybe quite a complex set of ACLs. You, uh, you just have to program the TC rules using the Netlink interface or the command line utility, which is entirely separate to OVS. And then the offload should work just as well as it does with, with OVS. So th this second requirement of it being more general is, is satisfied uh, in the eyes of the community by the TC-based solution. So uh, do you see the... The, the API or, or offload is, is being aimed at particular applications or most useful for particular applications? Or what, what are the sorts of users who are, who are likely to, uh, to, to be interested in, in offload particularly? I guess the kind of users we see, well, firstly, you need to, to have a, a desire for high performance. Otherwise, it doesn't make so much sense. So typically, people who are, are, have their own data centers so they might not be the hi the hyperscale guys are obviously one kind of user, but I think they tend not to to deploy OVS so much. It would be more like the slightly smaller players like telcos and and so on. People who who want to virtualize their either for third parties or for themselves, virtualize things and and efficiently switch between them at sort of twenty five G and and above. Um, in terms of what workloads. Again, it depends. Uh, we, we see a lot of interest in people using VXLAN and other, other, other encapsulation. So this is one area that we try to do very well at. Uh, certainly, you, you mentioned earlier that there's a cost to pushing the flows. So if your workload is, is, say, like a DNS server where every flow is one packet long, this solution is not going to work particularly well because the, the flow setup cost is, is high. But if, if you have much longer live flows... Uh, I guess the canonical example being uh, streaming a video, uh, then this should book very nicely indeed. I know that there's this this single API that that's meant to uh, cover uh, offload to all NICs. Um, what it, have you have you seen that this has uh, worked out well in terms of uh, cross vendor support? Uh, do, do you have an idea of? Uh, whether vendors all tend to be using this API, or uh, does it seem to be satisfactory on that dimension? I think I think there is uh, a, a decent amount of uptake from the different vendors. 
Um, there is some concern about the flow setup rate uh, from some of the vendors. I, I personally think it's slightly misplaced, but that's their call. Um, we have had some recent enhancements to the, uh, not so much the API, but the way that OVS ha uses the API. Uh, in, in the case of Netronome, we have a very large uh, amount of memory on the card. So the idea of exhausting the flow table is it's possible, but in, in practice, it's not something you, you expect to happen. Other vendors have uh, much smaller flow cases, so they want to manage the, what's present in the flow. Uh, they, for instance, would prefer elephants rather than mice to be in the flow cache. Uh, so we've seen some enhancements recently to, to, to make OVS a bit smarter. And, and I think there's, there's more work to be done in that area as, as people, as different smartniks with different characteristics come out. Yeah, I think you're referring to a, a patch series fairly recently that uh, allowed OVS to rebalance the the flows that are on, on the card, so that the, that's right. The the elephants, as you say, uh, are on the card and, and not the mice. That's right. If if it notices a situation where uh, not all flows can fit, uh, then it will start examining the flows that are present and on the hardware and the the flows that are being handled in software, and trying to make the elephants in the hardware and the mice uh, in the software. Well, uh, that's a, a, a great feature, I, I suppose, for those, those NICs that don't have uh, quite as much as, of a capacity. So uh, we're running a little short on time. So uh, are, is there anything important that I've, I've failed to ask about that you'd like to talk about? Well, I, I guess one thing I wanted to mention, I think there's been some talk at the, the event this week about uh, how we might tie BPF into OVS. It seems not clear to me how that's going to work. So I, I think the community coming together and, and working out how best to use that ne technology is a very exciting way forward for OVS. And, uh, and at Netronome, we're also very excited about it because uh, we can, given our architecture, we can offload the BPF programs. Now all we need to see is an intersection between, you know, at least three of these uh, big OVS areas like uh, uh, BPF and DPDK and offload. That, that's right. Uh, that's the winning combination. That, that you get bingo on your card uh, uh, if, you, if you get all three of those. Uh, so uh, are, are there other things we haven't mentioned yet that we should expect from the offload API in the future? I think at the moment it's just working towards being more implementing more of the spec where the spec is the current software implementation. Okay. Uh, so uh, what's the what's the right way for people to find out more about uh, Offload and OVS? Sure. Um, so the the Offload situation at the moment, it's, it's all completely upstream and not so much, oh, and no secret source really. So it's just the same way you would get involved in the OVS community normally. So you, you join the mailing list, maybe jump on the IRC channel and so on. For the kernel side stuff, there's the, the NetDev mailing list. All right. Uh, and uh, are, are you on social media? Is there anything you want to uh, promote? Oh, sure. If, if you uh, if you want to get in contact, I'm Holmes, H-O-R-M-S, on Twitter. Love to look forward to talking to you. All right. Uh, uh, great. Uh, thanks for talking to us. Thanks a lot, Ben. OVS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons unported 3.0 license. The intro and bumper music in this episode is excerpted from Electro Deluxe by My Free Mickey and the outro from Girls Like You by Stefan Kartenberg, both under the Creative Commons attribution unported 3.0 license. For more episodes of OVS Orbit, visit ovsorbit.org or for more information about OpenVSwitch, visit openvswitch.org.